Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 21. We got three headlines coming to you from the week of May 8th. Here are the headlines. State-sanctioned kidnapping, the Ten Commandments return to Texas schools, and sexual assault inside a first-grade classroom. Story number one comes from Texas. A six-year-old girl in Plainview, Texas, was allegedly forced to do sex acts with a male classmate while being recorded on the class iPad. The teacher was in the classroom while this happened, but was with other students and was listening to music on headphones. So he or she did not witness or did not hear what was going on because they had headphones on. The teacher discovered what happened after watching the video on the class iPad. The district said that families, police, child services were all notified right away. However, The girl's family said that they were not notified for over a week. The little girl's family noticed that she was behaving differently and wasn't quite herself. And that's when the little girl told the parents what had happened. She also mentioned that one of those boys also exposed himself to her during lunch. So this means that for roughly one full week, this little girl was going to class every day sitting with the same boys who are sexually abusing her. Now, of course, this is not happening in every public school. You know, I taught for 13 years. I never had anything like this happen. But if you're a parent, are you okay with just rolling the dice and hoping this doesn't happen in your school? So I know this teacher was put on leave, but what does it say about the school that the teacher was even comfortable enough to wear headphones in class during the school day with a class full of little kids? That's such a huge liability, and it's so irresponsible and careless, it's ridiculous. But protesters have called for the teacher, the principal, the administrators to resign, and they don't want to see the story covered up, you know, swept under the rug. You know, but how could this have been prevented? Well, for starters, the teacher should have been more aware, should not have had headphones in. Now, I know as a former teacher, you can't see everything all the time, and kids can be sneaky. You know, they can get away with a lot. It's not an excuse, but maybe don't give the students unsupervised access to technology like iPads, you know, where they can take pictures, they can record each other. Finally, I wonder, would cameras in the classroom have made a difference? You know, if the teacher knew they were being watched by parents, maybe they wouldn't have had headphones in. Now, cameras may not have prevented the bad behavior, but it could help curb them. And in this case, the girl's family would have known about it right away and not a week later. Something to think about. Story number two, Texas public schools may be required to display the Ten Commandments in every classroom. Senate Bill 1515 passed the state Senate recently, and the bill now moves on to the House for consideration. Republican Senator Phil King wrote the bill and said the Ten Commandments are part of America's heritage and it's time to bring them back. He added, quote, the bill will remind students all across Texas of the importance of the fundamental foundation of America, end quote. 
This bill also paves the way for another Texas bill that would allow schools to schedule time for prayer and Bible reading. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick stated that both bills are wins for Texas and that, quote, I believe that you cannot change the culture of a country until you change the culture of mankind. Bringing the Ten Commandments and prayer back to our public schools will enable our students to become better Texans, end quote. The general counsel at Texas Baptist Christian Life Commission, they argued in opposition that tax dollars should not buy religious materials and that parents should be the ones to teach their children about religion and not the school. The group continued, quote, I should have the right to introduce my daughter to the concepts of adultery and coveting one's spouse. It shouldn't be one of the first things she learns to read in her kindergarten classroom, end quote. So this is kind of interesting because it's the same argument I have when it comes to critical race theory and gender theory being taught in schools. I don't think tax dollars should fund it. And I think it should be up to parents to discuss it with their kids. The interesting part here is that those arguments are being applied when it comes to the Bible, but they're not being applied to critical race theory, gender theory, LGBTQ concepts. So I'll try to keep my eye on these bills and let you all know how it turns out down in Texas. Story number three, state sanctioned kidnapping was signed into law this week. Again, signed into law this week in Washington state. I discussed this before, Senate Bill 5599. I talked about this in a previous episode. It was just signed this week by Democrat Governor Jay Inslee. Of course, every Democrat voted to support the bill and every Republican voted against it, you know, which is par for the course around the country on this trans issue. So according to supporters of this bill, it's a good thing because it allows minors to receive what they call, quote, gender affirming care and maternity service, end quote, which in reality means sex change surgeries and abortions. Those who oppose the bill do so because the bill removes parents from being involved. If a child runs away from home and they go to a state facility or a shelter, that's it. The parents are no longer involved in the state of Washington. State facilities like shelters and homes do not need to notify parents that their child is staying with them. As long as they have a quote unquote compelling reason not to tell the parents. Now, according to this bill, what is a compelling reason? Well, in the bill, it's defined as, quote, if the youth is in the host home or seeking placement in a host home or a shelter to receive protected health care services, that's all. If the child is there in a shelter, in a home, and they want the, quote unquote, health care services, that's it. That's a compelling reason. Now, the host home, the shelter doesn't have to notify parents. So if a child runs away from home and they tell the shelter that they just want the services, that's it. They get it. Whatever treatment they want and the parents don't have to know about it. That's legal. It's chaos. So the bill does not require any sort of proof of abuse. It doesn't require any sort of abuse of the child in the home. It doesn't even require allegations of abuse. The child simply shows up and asks. That's it. That's enough to drug them and mutilate their bodies. The child just has to run away and ask for it. 
These state facilities can administer drugs without receiving parental knowledge or consent, and the child could receive abortions and sex change surgeries, like double mastectomies, again, without parental knowledge or consent. So this whole thing is based on the premise that if a parent does not affirm their trans child, that's considered abuse. That's the premise. And they're building everything off of that. So is it child abuse for parents to tell their anorexic daughter that they're not indeed fat? Is that child abuse? Because you're not affirming that that daughter's anorexia? No, it's the same argument. In fact, it's loving for a parent to not affirm a child who has gender dysphoria or is confused about their gender and sex. It's loving to put up a boundary. It's a responsibility of the parent to instruct, guide, protect, and set boundaries for their children. You don't just let your child wander through life and wander into whatever wilderness or danger that's in front of them. My point is, this whole premise is wrong. It's not abusive for parents to tell their little girl that, hey, you're a girl. Or to tell their little boy that, hey, you're a boy. That's not abusive. Now, I know this isn't a school-related issue on the surface, but school policies around the country are following the exact same blueprint, the same premise, that parents are abusive towards trans kids. They're not safe, quote-unquote. Now, this, you know, this gives schools the right, according to them, this is where schools justify their actions, to lie to parents and to deceive parents because parents are, quote-unquote, abusing their trans child by not affirming them. I've talked about this many times before. You know, it's been happening for years. It's become prevalent around the country. And I I witnessed it firsthand in Chicago public schools. Now it's becoming state law. So what's going to happen to these kids who run away? They're going to take puberty blockers, get sex change surgeries, and then in a few years, when their brain fully develops, they're going to realize the horror of the situation that they're in. They can never get their body back. They can never undo the damage that was inflicted on them by their state government. Lord help us. Well, let's finish with some fast fact stories I wanted to go into a little deeper, but would have just taken too much time. Fast fact number one, North Korea defector Yeonmi Park stated again in a recent interview that the biggest threat to our nation's freedoms here in America, the biggest threat to our freedoms are woke classrooms. Now, I've mentioned Yeonmi Park before, and I've even quoted her in my book, If you have not read her books yet, I strongly suggest you do. Her story is unbelievable. Her first book is titled In Order to Live, and her newest book is called While Time Remains. Check those out. Fast fact number two, an Ohio school district is being sued over its anti-harassment policy, which punishes students for misgendering trans students and intentionally not using preferred pronouns. So if you don't use preferred pronouns, That's harassment. You're going to get punished. So two things. First of all, this story, again, points out the position that schools and state agencies are taking that not affirming or misgendering someone is considered harassment. It's considered abuse. Here we see it again, like I just talked about. Second, this is a violation of free speech. It forces individuals 
to use certain language, even to the point of violating their own religious beliefs. Fast fact number three, this is a follow-up story. Earlier this year, a public school district in Arizona terminated its contract with a Christian university. This happened after multiple school board members who are LGBTQ, they said they felt unsafe around the university's Christian student teachers. And they even went so far as to suggest not hiring any more Christians. Well, the school district was sued, of course, for religious discrimination, and it will be paying for the legal fees after reaching a settlement with the Christian university. So who's paying those legal fees? Is it the school district? Well, then that would be tax dollars, AKA the community is paying for this. Is it coming from union dues? If so, the teachers would be paying for this. Either way, it's more wasted money in the public education system. Fast fact number four, another follow-up story. A Colorado middle school created a Genders and Sexuality Alliance Club, a GSA club, but they kept it secret by calling it an art club. In one club meeting, a special speaker came to speak to the middle schoolers. This special speaker also runs their own GSA club in the community for five to 11 year olds and it's called Skittles. So they have a GSA club for five to 11 year olds and they call it Skittles. It's like luring children with candy. No one sees this as a red flag, give me a break. Anyway, this speaker told the young girls that if they felt uncomfortable with their bodies, then that means they're trans or they're queer. Just by feeling uncomfortable, every middle schooler, boys and girls, they all feel uncomfortable in their bodies. Most adults feel uncomfortable in their bodies, right? This is just preying on the most vulnerable of kids, middle school kids. It's cruel. Anyway, the students were taught that their new trans or queer labels also came with an increased rate of suicide, which they discussed at length. They also discussed using puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. And the teacher at the middle school who organized this secret club told students that they didn't have to tell their parents about any of this. And guess what? The young girls in the club complied for a whole year, never told their parents. Well, finally, a mother found out and is suing the school district. Anyway, those are the things to keep your eyes out for. Um, that's all I have for you this week. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.